So if you'll take a look at 1 John chapter 4. I just want to read through the first part of this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, I'm going to stop right there and um, point out something that, again, it's one of these smaller things, because like we said last week, sometimes it seems like John is just I'm just going to say it. Sometimes it seems like he's rambling. But, but he, is, he is speaking to a group that he cares about very deeply and that he has a relationship with. He is not trying to be the, uh, the outline preacher or the, or, the, or the lecturer who has uh, all of these, this wonderful structure. In fact, if anything at all is guiding John's message to them, It's two interesting phrases. Beloved and little children. Now, who says that? It'll say dear friends, and in the NIV that I just read, it says dear friends, but but your King James and others will translate that as beloved. Those are are a way, that's his way of addressing the readers, of naming them. It's, It's affectionate language. He's saying, dear ones, my little children. These are, these are terms of endearment, okay? Uh, now, I've, I've, I've heard preachers who use beloved. But of course, it's not beloved, it's beloved, you know. Now, now, beloved, who are they? And, um, and I really love all of you, and I, 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 I like this church very much, but I'm not going to call you beloved, okay? Because I just don't do that. And, um, you know, that doesn't fit, you know. 
I'll call you friends. That, that seems more natural to me. But that's because I think dear friends is a better translation. Because he's, he's trying to show that connection. He's trying to show that they share a love in common. So this isn't a formal address. This is, a, this is like a parent talking to a child. A, a maybe even an adult child. That the parent cares for this child very much and wants the child to, to know what matters most. This, we are getting in on a very close, intimate conversation here in 1 John. And I think we, we need to recognize that, because when we recognize that, then we start to see what he's saying and why he's saying it, and why, in fact, if he is rambling, it, 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 it makes sense to ramble. Because there's so much he wants to say. There's so much he just wants to share with them because he cares. He cares about them, and he cares about the truth. He cares about the gospel. He cares about the church. So, you're going to see that term beloved show up in these verses. Uh, 3.2, 3.21, 4.1, and 4.11. And so if you look at those, and we go back into chapter 3, and we look at um, 3.2. Now notice, that's the lavish verse uh, right in front of it. Look at what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Being children of God is not some official title. It's a wonderful, wonderful adoption and birthright. He's celebrating it. God has just poured out love on us he's lavished it it's gooey it's ooey it's sloppy it's gloppy it's just it's everywhere this is insider close intimate language john's not afraid of that you know who john is the apostle john it's it, john is that guy who when he's uh preaching or leading a prayer or talking to you and it matters to him he's not afraid to get choked up and cry that's who he is and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sick of some of you apologizing to me for that because I don't want you to apologize. You need to do that if that's who you really are. Now, don't do it to, you know, you don't do it for that reason, but that's who you are. Feel it, okay? It's all right. Don't worry that I don't do it very often. That's, that's just because I've got a wire loose somewhere. But, you know, the, uh, we need that because that, that shows people that, that we love, that we care, that there's passion. And it's genuine because he's going to talk about the spirits and how we know what a reliable, authentic spirit is. And, and by the way, we'll probably pick this up next week too, but, but if you've ever wondered how to test a spirit, we're going to get into that. I'm still, you know, I hear test the spirits and I'm always thinking of Ghostbusters and they got that thing that, you know, lights up and, you know, and, and then you go and you cross-reference to Tobin's spirit guide and all that. But the, uh, that's not how you test a spirit. That's not what it's about. It's not about some objective criteria. It's about being involved and knowing a few things. Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. But in the, you look at these verses where he calls them be, beloved or dear friends. He says, uh, verse 2 of chapter 3, Now we are children of God, and what... We will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. 
There's a hope mentioned in that verse that we're going to become more and more like Christ. That's an intimacy. That's a knowing. That's a, that's a deep abiding presence. And uh, you go back to the very beginning of the book, and he says, you know, we know Christ. Why? Because he came in the flesh. It's real. Uh, you look at 321 and the message that's being given there alongside this dear friends or beloved word. Uh, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. That's a parent-child type relationship. We, we're confident before God. We have a close relationship with him. So our hearts are not condemning us and we have this assurance in his presence that we know that, that, that he cares. C.S. Lewis, you, you remember uh, the... Um, he wrote the, most people know him as the writer of the children's books, um, uh, and uh, I can't think of the name, Chronicles of Narnia, there you go, Chronicles of Narnia, and so there's this one little part where uh, they go to see the, the, the little kids who've ended up in Narnia, they talk to Mr. Beaver, and he's one of the woodland creatures that lives there in Narnia, and they say, and he says, you know, what you need to do is you need to go talk to the lion, Aslan, and the lion is the king, and it's a, it's a, it's an image of Christ, and, and they say, well, you know, is he, you know, is he a, a, the kids ask, you know, if he's nice, if he's, uh, you know, if he's safe. They want to know, is he a safe lion? And the beaver says, of course he's not safe. He's a lion. You know, he can't be safe. But then the beaver says, but he is good. Now, there you go. He's not safe, but he is good. And here, he says, we can have that same kind of assurance knowing that no matter how powerful God is, he's good. And that gives us some assurance. Our hearts then do not have to condemn us, and we can ask, and we obey because we love him. So you look at uh, 4.1. Uh, dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. See if they're from God. We're going to come back to this in a moment. Look at 4.7. Uh, dear friends, let's love one another because love comes from God. In calling us beloved or dear friends, he's telling us what our identity is, how we ought to behave, what kind of people we, can, we are supposed to be. In 4.11, dear friends, beloved, now since God loved us, we ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love's made complete in us. You know, this morning Dan was preaching about the fact that what we need is not just to get people inside this building. That, that's not really the goal. The, the, the goal is to get Christ into other people who do not know him yet. When God lives in us, that's a very intimate relationship. And John's not afraid of naming this. You see the little children phrase come up in 2.1, 2.18, 2.28, 3.7. 318, 44, and 521. I'm not going to go through all those, but again, this is, this is very close language. Uh, look at, two, uh, look at um, rather, 4-4. Uh, Dear children, you're from God, and you've overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Now, the them are the antichrist spirits, and we'll get to that in a second. But isn't this the kind of thing that you would expect a parent to say to a child? 
You know, you think about that moment. Some of us have experienced it. We've either experienced it as a parent or we've experienced it as a child or we've experienced it as both. Kid comes home. Other kids, rotten kids, have been bugging our kids all day. You're just feeling bad. And what do we always say? You know what? You're better than that. You're bigger than that. Don't listen to what they say. You, you, they do not get to tell you who you are. And then my dad would go teach me how to slug him in the face. But anyway, the, 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 that, the, but I didn't. I, was, I, I never did, you know. He just wanted me to be ready. But. Oh. And, but, you know, but that's what they did. It was like, you know what, it, it, the, the best parents, and my parents, they did this too, and, and you did this. You always tell your kids, you know what, you rise above that. You rise above that. You get above that. And look at what he's saying here. Those, those antichrist spirits. You've overcome them. You've gotten over that. You've overcome them. Why? Because you are from God. How many of you as parents, or if you, you know, maybe even as a child, you heard your parents say, you know what, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember that, that, remember that, that who you are matters. Not, not just to produce guilt in you, but to say, listen, don't, don't forget who you are. I love the little story about uh, the, uh, the little eagle and the little egg. And the, the, it rolls out of the eagle's nest and it lands in the turkey pen, you know, and it hatches and it grows up with the turkeys. Eagle grows up. Poor thing thinks he's a turkey. So one day he's looking up there and he sees an eagle and he goes, boy, I'd like to be like that. And the turkeys say, you can't do that. Why not? Because you're a turkey. He didn't know that he could rise above it. This is what's happening in 1 John. He's using this language. So where we get caught up in all the technical stuff first, how do you test a spirit, preacher? What's a, what is a spiritual test? What is a spirit? What do you, what? Stop for a second. First notice that this is a spiritual father talking to his spiritual children. He wants them to know some things. Um, when we look at that, uh, you know, look at the, just, just take in the whole list of what it means to be beloved. And by the way, dear friends may be a good translation, but it depends on who's doing the loving. If he's saying that you're my beloved, then yeah, dear friends works. But if he's saying that God's the one who loves us, then maybe we need to come up with a little better translation. He's saying, hey, you, the ones that God loves. Yeah, you. That's you. That's all of you. God loves you. And boy, that tells us who we are. When we know that God loves us, we're his children. We have confidence toward God. We can test the spirits. You see, if, if, you, if God lives in you and you have that confidence with God, then when someone comes along claiming that they speak for God, guess what? You're, you're gonna, all of a sudden, you're going to be able to say, you know, maybe so, but something here just smells a little funny. Why? Because I know my Heavenly Father. Okay. You know, just because someone says the magic words doesn't necessarily mean that they're of the Father. Um, 
Love is of God. It's born of God. You know God. I mean, look at the intimacy of that language. Love is of God. It's born. It knows God. If, and then if God loves us, now it turns outward. We ought to love one another. You know, sometimes we find it hard. We're like, I, I just don't know. It's, you know. it's hard to love others. It's hard to love others in the world. It's hard to love others in the church. Okay, if it is, you just need a transfusion. You know, just like if your blood's not healthy, you need a transfusion of healthy blood. You need a transfusion of love. Dwell on how much God loves you and see if that doesn't just overflow. When you look at the little children language, and by the way, the little children language is what makes me think that maybe when he's talking about beloved, he's not just talking about how much he loves them. He's talking about how much God loves them because they're, little, they're his little children. Uh, he says some bold things about what little children do, the children of, of God. Uh, he says, we do not sin. Wow, that's bold. Oh, does that mean we can't do anything wrong? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that since we are the children of our Father, and our Father has nothing to do with sin, then he's saying that's going to be our goal and our high mark too. Later on, he'll explain it. He'll say, now look, yes, we know that we all sin." We're not going to continue in it. We're not going to make that our habit. We're not going to make that our way of life. We're going to overcome it. He talks about the last times and the antichrists. Now, isn't it interesting that when he talks about that, and he says, I know you've heard that antichrists are coming, and they're probably a little nervous. So what he does is he uses this term. He says, hey, kids, little, little kids, little children, dear little children, He's giving them familiar language. He's, he's using that familiar language to say, don't worry about this. Uh, he's putting it all in perspective, and he's letting them know that they can overcome it. And that's what he'll say again when he talks about overcoming them. Uh, little children can remain in him. They have confidence. They do not have to be ashamed. These are descriptions of the little children that are attached with that phrase. Let no one deceive you. He says, practicing righteousness is righteous. If you want to know what righteousness is, if you want to know what it means to be righteous, just practice righteousness. And that's what it is. That's almost a kindergarten lesson. That's a little children lesson. How can I be righteous before God? Go do it. Go do righteous things. Go do that. that that's practicing righteous. Now, God justifies us, but the quality of righteousness, of reflecting his nature... He's going to say is, is, it shows up and it makes itself visible in the way that we behave and do that. We don't just think it or have the right ideas. We put it into practice. Um, and that's what he says in 3.18. Love, not just with words, but with action and with truth. Make it real is what he's saying. He says you've overcome those antichrists because you are of God and they are not of God. And this is, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll come up, oh, and right at the end, it's, the, it's one of the strangest endings of a book. Right there at the end, he says, it's almost like he says, oh, yeah, one more thing, stay away from idols. And people think, is that disjointed? No, I don't think it is, because idols also means deceptions. And he's been talking about truth through this whole book. He says, let's stay away from deceptions. Let's stay away from things. And maybe that's the whole problem with these antichrists is that spirit of Antichrist because they deny the truth about Christ. 
and it's a deception. I think it, I think it wraps everything up nicely, actually. So what does it mean to be God's beloved children? It means, and we, we went over this last week, uh, in, in 1 John we read these three things, purity, righteousness, renouncing sin, And I want to add three more now. What does it mean to be God's beloved children? It means overcoming deceptions, the idols. It means that we have a certain kind of confidence, not an arrogance, but a confidence. And the difference between confidence and arrogance is arrogance is based on our inflated view of ourself or our anxieties and worries or our insecurity about ourselves in front of others. Confidence is based on assurance that, that there are just things that we know, and we are confident about that. And so confidence also has to do with trust. And because we trust in God, because we know he's good, because we know we're children, he's the father, we ought to have confidence. And by the way, this ought to help us as we talk about Christ and as we uh, Share evangelism. No, nobody's inspired by a doubtful evangelist. Are you sure that you're going to heaven? Oh, I really don't know. I don't, you know, I mean, if we go out and we say, hey, listen, you can have confidence about eternal life, but if our message is, you know what? Eh, we're probably all don't have a, we, none of us have a chance, but, you know, what have you got to lose? You know, and so come with us. And, uh, that's not confidence. But if we speak confidently about the one that we know who can save us, that's different. That's different. We're not talking about ourselves. We're talking about him. Uh, and we can love one another. You see it there. He says, you can love another. You not only mu- And by the way, I don't like saying you must love one another. Do you see the problem in that? You must love one another. Well, I really hate them, but if you say so, it doesn't make any sense. I think there has to be something backing that up that that, that makes us believe that we can truly love others. You know, if, if you're coming to Christ and your story, your background has been one of of, and I've seen people who've come to, to God, and the thing is, all of the people in their life have mistreated them and have, have used them and abused them, and it becomes very hard for them to believe that other people can care about them. And that may be hard for some of us to understand. I'm not talking about the everyday kind of mistreatments that many of us go through. I'm talking about people who've been so burned by others and so abused that it becomes natural to distrust and even hate it builds hatred in their hearts and to have that melt the only way that can happen is that you become overwhelmed by just how much God loves you and how much God is love and it starts to break down that hatred and that anger and that anxiety that's what it means to be his beloved children. So next week, we will look further at this spirit test thing and uh, keep going further into 1 John. So right now, what we want to do is uh, we're going to sing this song. We've prepared communion. Uh, For those of you who want to take communion, you'll go right through these doors in room 100. Someone will show you where that's at. And then after this song, uh, Dr. Michael Cole will lead us in prayer.